Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 53 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you for finding this show. Welcome back if you've listened before, and welcome if this is your first show. Um, either way, two things that you could do to really, really help me is, first of all, hit that subscribe button if it's safe to do so, and also share the show with a friend. I would really appreciate it. This week, I will be talking to Andrew Lang, um, but first, in some doggy news, if you are in Canada and you are living or considering living in a condominium, you may have to pay some closer attention to where your dog goes to the loo. Uh, apparently, if the uh, body corporate chooses to use a company called Pooprints, um, it's more or less compulsory for any of the canines living in that complex to register their DNA, and this will enable stray bits of poo to be analysed and owners find. So make sure that you are cleaning up after your dog. Over to the US and in Idaho, a two-year-old border collie by the name of Tilly was making a trip with the family in their vehicle. Uh, they unfortunately had a vehicle accident uh, no one was hurt, but the result of that accident, Tilly uh, was startled and ran off. The family searched for a day uh, without any luck. Then they took to social media, uh, posting for assistance. A- another day later, and about two k's away, uh, some people on a farm noticed that they had an additional helper rounding up their stock and on closer inspection, they found that it was Tilly. They uh, did see the social media and reconnected Tilly to her family, which were very grateful to have her back home again. And in Bursa, Turkey, a dog by the name of Caesar. Unfortunately, Caesar's uh, pet guardian, uh, elderly gentleman, passed away. Um, Caesar attended the funeral and was very solemn. Um, the gentleman's son then stepped in and looked after Caesar. He uh, noticed that Caesar used to take off in the mornings and wouldn't see him for a while. He then, after some time, became curious and he followed Caesar to see what he was doing. To his surprise, Caesar would walk around to the local cemetery and visit his former guardian's graveside every morning and sit there and just spend a little bit of time before continuing on with his day. Now, I don't know what you think of that, but I think it's a beautiful and touching thing. And now on to this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here today with Andrew Lang. How are you? I'm good, Robert. How are you? Going fantastically well. Looking forward to having our chat. So, whereabouts are you in the world? So, I am from um, Merseyside in England. So, the, the most famous part um, of our little 
county is Liverpool, where the Beatles are from, and um, also James Bond. Uh, he's from there. Yep, heard of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and who are we going to talk about today? So today we're going to talk about Archie, who was my first dog that I ever owned. Okay. So that's going to be a nice story, I think. So as, as per normal, I'm going to do, uh, ask you to take us back to before you met Archie and talk us about the hows and, and whys that you guys got together. Okay, so this goes way back. So it goes way back to when I was about three years old. Uh, and my parents, my little family, I was from a family of two parents and there was five children and I was the youngest. We bought a Jack Russell called Sky. Uh, if I remember rightly, I think I named him because everybody used to always say to me, where did you get the name from? And it was a three-year-old Sky, which is actually <laughs> quite a good name for a dog. Uh, <laughs> so I named this little Jack Russell. Um, he was kind of like my little buddy. Uh, we had him for about, I think, maybe six months to a year. I don't know the specifics. And then he, it was back in the day in the very early 80s when you could just let your dogs out onto the street in England. And a lot of the dogs would just, you'd have the door open, the dog would come and go as it pleased. Uh, and it was a different set of rules to what it is now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went out one day and never come back. So they, they said the, there was dogs that were getting stolen at the time. Um, I think it may have been like one of the first times our area had ever heard of dogs being stolen. So he got stolen and we never seen him again. Mm. So I spent loads of time looking for him when I was like three, four, five, up until about the age of 10. I'd always ask people, have you seen my Jack Russell? Um, and it was like quite a, it was quite a traumatic thing in my young age to have lost this little dog because I loved him so much. Oh, absolutely. Um, it would be. Yeah, so my, my parents never got another dog from, from that moment. Uh, my nan had a dog called Russ, which is another little Jack Russell. Um, so I used to obviously go up and see him because he lived in the next road and used to play with him, etc. Uh, and then I got bit by a German Shepherd when I was seven, so that kind of put me off dogs for a little bit. Um, and then when I got to like my teenage years and my early 20s, I kind of always knew that when I left home, one of the first things I'd do was get a dog. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, a partner at the time who had had dogs in a previous relationship. And when we got together, she said that, you know, we'd eventually get a dog together and it was her birthday coming up. And we decided to have a little sort of look in the local paper to see if we could find any dogs and the first breed the first go-to breed for me was was a Staffordshire Terrier um because it was a breed that always liked them some of my friends had had them um we didn't end up getting a Staffordshire Terrier because we missed the litter of Staffies that were uh, available but there was a little ad underneath with Jack Russells in Wales so we both decided that we were going to get one. I was going to buy it for her birthday. And we went up to um, into the mountains in Wales to go and have a look for this little Jack Russell. Um, we went, me, myself, uh, my partner and my dad, who uh, recently died in 2019, but he knew his way around Wales. So we three of us went up in the car in, on a, like a Monday night. It was really dark. It was snowing. We went up into the Welsh mountains to this little farm with this farmer who was probably in his 60s, like a really old farmer and very old traditional farmer. And he took us to this little pen where there was eight Jack Russells. He said, you're going to have the pick of the litter because, you know, nobody's come. This is these are the they're just you're the first person to come visit these little eight week Jack Russells. And we, he pointed out what he thought was the best one. It had the best looks to it, a good head on it and good markings, etc. cetera. Um, and that was the dog that we ended up coming home with, which was Archie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, we, we were struggling for a name. Um, I'll, I'll tell you how we named him. So we were struggling for a name. Now, I was really close to my father, so we had a really good close relationship. We were like best friends. We worked together. We did everything together. Went on holiday. I lived with him, etc. cetera. Um, when I moved back home, and we had a really good relationship. So I said to my dad, would you like to um, pick a name for the dog? Um, and we were sitting and thinking all the way back as we were driving. Um, myself and my father were very much into like – 
what you call soccer, I think, but we call it football over here. Yeah. Um, we're very much into soccer and boxing. So we used to watch a lot of boxing and we used to buy old VHS tapes and um, watch them together when I was very young. Um, one of the fighters that we used to watch a lot was uh, Muhammad Ali and we used to watch a lot of Joe Lewis. And um, one of the fighters that we enjoyed watching who fought both of them guys was a guy called Archie Moore. Uh, and he, I think he fought, they, they reckon he fought till he was about 50, which was a late age to be fighting in boxing back in that time. He'd fought through quite a few generations. He'd fought Rocky Marciano, he'd fought Joe Lewis, and he'd also fought Muhammad Ali. So he'd gone through a lot of generations of heavyweight champions uh, and fought them all. And he got beat by them all, obviously, but <laughs> um, he fought them all and was like this like legendary guy that was had a big heart and he was really you know a great fighter uh, so we named Archie after Archie Moore because he was like my dad's favorite boxer uh-huh, that's a nice story um just want to ask yeah. being you mentioned um getting him from the farm do you know uh were his parents working dogs do you know what like at the time I, I wasn't really um, very knowledgeable when it comes to dogs. So this this was kind of like what got me into doing what I do today, Archie. It was an incident that happened to them that made me want to do the job. Um, so I wasn't very knowledgeable. So I wasn't really sure what I was looking at or what I was looking for. And I would surmise it was probably, they were probably working Jack Russells, maybe little ratters on the farm. But um, it was kind of, it was snowing, it was dark. We just went on to like this uh, little yard and he just took us straight to a little like hut. It was like a little pen where they were all on. It was like a raised wooden uh, pen and the all the little Jack Russells were on uh, like a bed of straw inside. Mm. So, yeah, it was, I'm not too sure whether it was a working farm. Uh, I, I haven't got no contact or anything. I would love, I would love more than anything in the world to be able to go back and find this farm and go and visit it. I'd love to, but um, it's just back then there was no mobile phones um, or there was, but they, not many people have mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it wasn't the time where you had the internet and the, um, and Facebook and everybody was advertising through stuff like that, online stuff. It was literally just a phone number and a paper uh, with like a letter of Jack Russell. So that was the only contact. And I don't think I saved the number or anything in my phone. It was a bit too primitive in terms of um, <laughs> of, of technology and, and, and social media of how you can connect with people now. Uh, now, then it was like... Geez, a couple of hour drive in the dark with no idea where you're going and never be able to find it a second time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I would love to be able to find that breather and that farm and just go back and experience it again because it was a, a lovely night. It was a magical night. It really was. Mm. So, how was Archie when you first brought him home? So, well, we took him to the vets a couple of days after and, uh, they reckon that he wasn't eight weeks. They said he was more like five to six weeks. Uh, he was very, very small. So on the night we brought him home, he was. we weighed him. We had little scales and we weighed him. He was a, just over a pound in weight. So he was really, really small. Mm. When you stood him up next to a brick fireplace, he was just above the brick. <laughs> so he was really, really, really small. Um, he was quite confident, uh, quite a cocky confident little puppy wanting to engage in play and like didn't feel out of his comfort zone at all coming into our home um he was yeah he was very very courageous and very pushy on the first night and what happened was i got um a couple of weeks after we got him i was in a car accident where I got hit by a car. So I was walking across the road and I walked out behind the van and the driver didn't see me and he hit me about 25, 30 mile an hour. And it put me out of work for a couple of months. So wow. for the first couple of months of his life, I, I, I didn't break any bones, but I'd, I'd bashed all my wrist in and I had like tendon damage in my wrist. So I couldn't do the job that I was doing at the time, which was working as a plasterer. Uh, on on the buildings with my father because that was my dad was a builder, so I couldn't do the job anymore. Um, so well, I couldn't do it for a couple of months. So I spent some time with Archie, just bonding with him, taking him out and do, conditioning him to be around different things, etc. Um, so yeah, I got a lot of bonding time initially with Archie, and that's I think 
I think from that point, we kind of imprinted on each other and had that real strong connection from a very, very early age. Yeah, so it's a, sort of a one of those like karma sort of things where it was really bad for you, but really good for Archie and Archie and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when, when he very first come home, he had very, very itchy skin. That was the first thing we noticed. So first night or two, he was okay. But then he just started itching a lot all the time. So we obviously took, took him to the vets and just checked him out for fleas and got him treated or whatever was needed. Um, and we just he just kept itching and we couldn't really get to the bottom of what, where his, his skin issues were coming from. Um, and... What happened in the end was it, we, it got to about five months and the itching was just happening all the time. And we ended up taking him to a, a vet that gave him a, ne- a needle and it was uh, it was a dirty needle, what we thought, because without going into detail, but the vet that we used got struck off a couple of times because the conditions he was working in were just horrendous. It was once you got into his surgery, you're a bit like, oh, my God, how does this even pass? Because it was just really really dirty surgery and he used a needle that we think was potentially a dirty needle mm. um and he ended up with a, a massive big abscess on his back uh, we just come in one day and there was this massive big growth on his back took him to the vets took him to another vet um and they ended up having to cut him open so they cut him open from the back of his neck right the way down to near the back of his spine they had to cut the whole back of him. you can imagine how small a five-month Oh, Jack Russell is. And he was very small for a Jack Russell too. He wasn't a big Jack Russell. He's very small. Um, so they cut open his back. They had to uh, drain all this big abscess in his back, put um, drains in. And that was a really, really traumatic time for him That when, when he come back and he had drains coming out of his arms and he was stitched right along his back. Um, and that was quite, that was just, that was kind of towards the end of me uh, having to spend my time at home with him. So, that was a really, really like big impact thing on his little life. Oh, absolutely. Did it take him long to recover from that? Yeah, so he, he recovered within a couple of weeks, but on night one, it was really bad. You, I, I had to just lay there with him and put my hand on him, and if I took my hand away from him, he would cry, and then I'd have to put my hand back on him. Um, I, he was really, 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 really distressed, um, and it was hard to not just be there for him, uh, knowing behaviour now, um, in a normal circumstance, that would be the dog would learn that if it cries, it gets you to put a tan back on you and it's just using, um, it's using that as its, its go-to behaviour to get you to give them affection, etc. Uh, but at the time, it, I mean, that didn't have the effect on him because he was so poorly. Um, but yeah, it took him a, a while to recover and it kind of, it, it, it the great thing about it was is it didn't really knock him as a dog. It didn't knock his spirit or anything like that. He, he was still, as soon as he was recovered, he was straight back to his cocky self and, you know, being his normal, courageous Jack Russell personality. And I'd say he's uh, always been an inside dog? Yeah, so um, all our dogs we have in the house. So uh, he was just like a pet dog. And he was kind of, we, we did, I'd say, everything right with him from the from the word get-go, in some ways and in some ways not. So we, we'd take him out, and when he couldn't go down and he hadn't had his injections, we would take him out and wrap him up in a little blanket and expose him to seeing cars and buses and other dogs and getting to see people, etc. So we'd done a, quite a strong conditioning process. We'd even take him to like little local farms and let him go in with the baby goats and see different animals. <laughs> and this kind of, yeah, this reflected in his, his later life where he just didn't really have any like sort of crazy prey drives to go after anything. He would, he could see a squirrel on a walk uh, or see, you know, a, a sheep or something on one of our little walks and he'd just look at them and he's more interested in spending his time with people. I think that was testament to me spending that time with him as a young pup and having that strong human dog connection with him mm-hmm. um, and, and made him more of a people's person. Uh, potentially as well with him having that uh, big abscess on his back and him having to spend a lot of time indoors with uh, with myself and my partner. I think he'd become more of a, much more of a people dog than a dog that went off playing with other dogs all the time or dog that was wanting to go hunting, etc. Mm. So yeah, the answer to your question is he's a, he was an indoor dog uh, and all mine are, I don't have any of them that, that live in kennels outside. They're all, they're, they're all like, if you like, house pets. They're all pet dogs. None of, I don't work any of them or do any type of um, 
sport competition or anything with them. I, I, to be fair, I haven't really got them breeds. In my, in my household right now, I've got a Staffordshire Terrier, um, I've got a Pomeranian, and I've got another Russell, who was one of our cheese little um, siblings, if you like. I bought three separate Jack Russells, all from three different breeders, because I just love Jack Russells. <laughs> and uh, I've still got one left, which is Floyd. He was the youngest of the three, and he's, he's actually in my house right now. Mm, wow, nice. Yeah. What about uh, sleeping arrangements? Did that did that change with him over time, or stay the same? Yeah. So he kind of in the early days we always allowed. So we made sure we got the fundamentals right. But if he was to come and have a come up and have a sit with us on the couch or anything like that, he would always ask to be invited. Um, but if in the early days, it was kind of quite free where he would just be able to come into the bedroom. He'd have his little bed in the bedroom. Sometimes he'd try and get in the bed with us, which was allowed. Um, obviously, on our terms, we used to allow him to, to just have a little bit of freedom. Potentially, not what I would do now, so probably do a little bit different. There'd be a lot more crate training involved now. Um, but with him and me not having a great deal of knowledge of how to train the dog properly, he got a lot of freedom uh, within the house. But now things are a little bit different because I've, I've now got kids. Uh, well, I've got one. I've got one on the way to do in, in a month's time. I, they all stay downstairs. They just stay in the kitchen and they have little beds in the kitchen and, and we stay upstairs. So they don't get to go upstairs now. So it's changed. So when Archie was young, what was his favourite games or things like that that he enjoyed playing? So he absolutely loved the ball. Absolutely loved it. So uh, he was very, very ball obsessed. He liked having toys. He was very much into play. So I used to do this little thing where I put my head down on the ground and I'd start like sort of pushing him and messing about with him and he'd, he he would often come and instigate and he'd pull your head and he'd bite your ears and bite your head but do it very gently <laughs> he was very very soft when he played very engaging but very very soft and wasn't too overpowering he, he'd never ever push the boundary where he'd like bite you to you know you get a puppy that will they'll just push it so far that they'll just continue continually be biting at your hands and don't know when to stop. He was really good at knowing when to play, when to have an off switch. Uh, and it, I suppose that was because we taught him that, but he was really gentle and good, but he loved playing and interacting with humans and he loved chasing the ball, which was kind of what the, the ball kind of leads us into why he, uh, why I ended up doing this for a job. So when he could finally go out and do his walks, which was a little bit delayed, he we, I took him up to our local park, which is a massive big park. It's actually, I think I think it was it was either mirrored on Central Park in New York. No, actually it was Central Park in New York was mirrored on this park. It's called Birkenhead Park. It's on the Wirral in England. It's a massive big park. And I took him into Birkenhead Park. We went for a little walk around and he met a Springer Spaniel that had a ball. Uh, and this Springer Spaniel is obsessively bringing the ball back to its owner and she's throwing the ball. And Archie goes over to this dog and starts barking because it's got a ball. <laughs> so at, at the time, I, and now I can see where that was going to go. But at the time, I thought, oh, well, they're just going to engage and play with the ball together. That's what dogs do. Being a completely novice, novice uh, and unknowledgeable dog owner. Uh, this is kind of why I have empathy when people come to me and don't know a lot of things about dogs and they, they don't see all these signs because once upon a time I was that same person. Um, this dog is playing with its ball, Archie's bark, and the dog's probably two or three years old. Uh, next thing, the dog drops the ball and just jumps on him and starts attacking him. Uh, he didn't, he'd come off with a little cut on his shoulder, so it sounded a lot worse than it was. Uh, there was a lot of noise. He was squealing. Uh, I got hold of him, put him back on lead, took him home, and I was absolutely um, terrified because my little baby, Jack Russell, that was my little world and I was spending all my time with, had been in my eyes, he wasn't savagely attacked, but in my eyes, he'd been savagely attacked by this crazy Springer Spaniel on a walk. Um, and I come home and I was that traumatised. He, he got over it within a couple of minutes, but I was that tra traumatised by the whole experience that I had to I, I had to find some answers and some information, and that got me on a path of studying a lot of 
dog psychology and I ended up studying a lot of wolf psychology. I bought a lot of David Meech books. Uh, there was a guy over in the UK called Sean Ellis who had gone over and lived with wolves over in Canada and I read some of his books. I got myself quite into all the wolf side of it and started reading a lot about dog tra training and dog psychology um, and that's what brought me to uh, end up doing this as a career as I got so kind of obsessed with the whole theory of it that it, it pushed me into doing this for a job. It's amazing. It's you, you, you certainly by far not the first person that I've chatted to that just for having a, and we'll say, pet dog, all of a sudden their career path has made a U-turn or, or A-turn and just gone in a uh, path where they had no idea and they never would have said, oh, yep, I'll do that with dogs. And then, well, that's what they do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you, you kind of think you know where you're going in life. Um, and just little, a little pinnacle, what, what did he call it? A critical point. So a little critical point in your life can just turn everything around and make you change what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so did that, that, that incident change his behaviour when he was out with other dogs and balls? No, not at all. No, <laughs> than that. <laughs> he was, from my experience of working with Jack Russells, because I've worked with hundreds, hundreds of Jack Russells in the time I've been training dogs, they're either, from my experience, they're either one or the other. So they're either really fearful and nervous and anxious dogs, or they're completely robust and really confident and archy. Whether it's stuff that we'd done from a young age with him, or it was just his genetics and his, his personality makeup and the, the bloodline that he come from, um, he was a really, really confident dog, really confident and very, very trusting in so many ways. He was very, uh, it, you could go on a walk with him to like somewhere where you would have like, say we've got a walk by us where you have to go up and down like little rock faces and he could hang off the edge of a rock face and you put your hands up to him and he'd actually jump into your hands. He would actually trust you with his life. He was, he was remarkably brave, remarkably brave. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. Nice to have that that bond. Yeah, absolutely. So, when he was, we'll stay with him when he was a little bit younger. Around the house, did was there many times where he you ever found out a like, wow, how did he get up there? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we we used to have this uh, a bit where you would come at home from work, and he'd just be standing on the table. <laughs> yeah, we used to get that. Um, he, he, he had an incident, there was an incident uh, when he was younger and I bought a second dog. This is quite a, a funny story. I bought a second dog and called him Oscar and he was a parson Jack Russell. And what was happening was we got Oscar and we started to see some signs of separation anxiety. And we ended up getting another one, which is the one that's still alive, Floyd. And then we had two dogs in the house and the separation anxiety starts sort of subsided. So we would have get home from work and we would be like a bit of a mess or some of the wallpaper had been stripped or the carpet had been eaten. And we kind of at one point thought, well, I wonder if it's actually Archie that's doing that or it's Oscar. And we didn't know. So this one day my partner had gone out to work and I gone into the shower and I was taking a shower and the dogs had presumed that I'd gone out too. I was down in another part of the house that was um, that was quite quiet that he didn't know it was there. And I come walking up from my shower. I could hear something happening in the living room. And um, I looked in the living room, peered my head around the living room. And as I did, Archie was sitting on the couch. And he was looking at me and looking at the dogs and looking at me and looking back at the dogs. And when I looked at what the dogs were doing, they were on the fireplace where there were some candles. And the pair of them were just eating ca these candles. They had Oscar and Floyd both joining in together and if he could have spoke it was almost like he was saying to me look it's not even me it's them and he's looking at me and watching them and looking at me and watching them so i gave a little clap of my hands to snap them out of it uh, and the two of them just looked round at me and were terrified they're like oh my god we've been caught and archie's just like looking at me with his tongue out like smiling as if to say i told you if you caught them absolutely hilarious so how how was archie when you first brought other dogs into the house 
he was good, yeah. So I think the good part of it was is when we brought Oscar into the house, he was only six months old, so he was quite a young puppy. Uh, it was a good time to do it, and I, I kind of try and recommend that to people from that experience. If you're going to bring a dog into the house, you're better to do it when they're, they're younger. Uh, and it was it was kind of like the perfect introduction. Like if we'd got two puppies at once uh, at the same age, you think that would have been more difficult. And then you do always have the, that run the risk of littermate syndrome. Um, and it's something that we try and advise to all owners is, you know, just don't buy them from the same litter, buy, buy them individually. It's, it's not, a, not a good, from experience, it's not the best idea. And if you end up with littermate syndrome, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, so... We introduced Oscar at, uh, when Archie was six months and just straight away, because he was a little bit bigger, because he was a parson, he's probably double the size of Archie. He was quite well built uh, and he was probably double his height. He was quite tall. Uh, they they were a good match in size. Uh, and because Archie was a puppy and obviously Oscar was a puppy, they kind of just played a lot and, and had like a really good relationship in that way. Uh, they got on really, really well. They never, they, they would they'd fall out the odd time. I think on, I could count on one hand and the whole time that they were both alive together. The, the times that they fell out and had got into a little bit of a scuffle. But no, he accepted them really well and they got on really, really well. But when we brought the third one in, Floyd, both of them were already mature adults. So uh, I think Archie was two, maybe, and um, Oscar will have been about like one and a half, something like that. 18 months so because he was that bit older and that bit more mature um, they struggled bringing the third dog in and they already had like a, an establishment in some form of hierarchy between each other so when we brought Floyd in the third one he was a tiny little Jack Russell he was the smallest of the three uh, they accepted him took took a couple of weeks but um, they didn't at first but I found bringing Oscar in at that young age made the transition of socialization between him and Archie quite good, to be mm. fair, quite easy. So you uh, mentioned earlier about the uh, medical issues that, that Archie had. Um, about later on in life, did he sort of like continue to have any sort of like dramas or...? Yeah, so he, he, he had itchy skin for, for most of his life and we went to a specialist vet that said it was he put it down to atopic dermatitis and flea allergy he said they were the two things and they kind of go hand in hand so we just made sure that we kept on top of his uh, his fleeing treatment uh, and it didn't bother him that much but if you were to ever itch your skin you'd find itchy spots really easy it was kind of something that if you left it alone it'd be okay Every now and again, he'd have a little bit of a flare-up where he would have impacted anal glands, uh, and that, that kind of triggered off him being a little bit itchy on the skin and being a little bit irritated. Uh, so we would have we'd have nights where he, he would just wake you up in the middle of the night, and he'd be panting in very, very much in a in a an anxious, stressful state of mind. And I'd have to get out of bed and spend a couple of hours with him, uh, just sitting with him while he calmed down. But there was there was nothing you could do to actually, other than just sit with him until it passed, there was nothing that you could really do. So we, we had some experiences like that where he was actually quite, um, he was quite poorly in the night. And then we'd just go back and get his anal glands done um, and then he'd be fine for a while then. But he, he did, it kind of did reflect into his life a little bit. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, so you talked about the big park across the road. Did he have any other favourite spots to go? Yeah. So um, we we went everywhere with them. So being a first time dog owner as an adult and having my own dog, it was like you know a, a, a real novelty to have it because I'd not been allowed for from free up until leaving home to ever have any other dogs. Uh, both my parents worked and it was obviously, you know, obviously looking back now, it was actually a very responsible decision to not just buy a dog for a young child, which is never a good idea. And to not, because they didn't have the time for the dog to not um, invest in a dog and have, have one that wouldn't be able to walk, et cetera, because they were working. Um, so once we got Archie, and Oscar, and we ended up with the three little Jack Russells. It was a novelty to obviously go to different places. And where I live on the Wirral is one of the best spots that you'll ever, ever see for dog walks. We've probably got in the region of about, I don't know, maybe 50, 60, 70 
dog walks, which are all really, really good dog walks. So wow. we've got we're a peninsula where we are. So uh, if, if for those who don't know what a peninsula is, a peninsula is it's it's like an island, but it's only cover it's only surrounded on three sides. So it's kind of like a little pointy out island, but it's still connected to the mainland. Uh, and we have got we overlook Wales on one side, and we overlook Liverpool on the other side. Uh, so we're surrounded by beaches, some really, really nice, pretty beaches. And we've got a lot of woodland, um, which is in the inland part of the world. So there's so many dog walks and so many trails that you can go on that are really, really good fun and real good environmental um, and a good environmental entertainment for dogs. So we didn't just go to that park. We went all over. We went to all the beaches and they had lots of little friends in all different places. We went to all the woodland areas and we'd done lots and lots of adventures with them. Took them on little mini holidays to caravans and stuff like that. So they had an absolutely uh, fantastic life. And Archie was just taking out every single day and going on adventures every day. He had a really good life in that oh, sense. Excellent. Do you enjoy the beach? Yeah, he absolutely loves the beach. Yeah, they, all, all three of them would love digging on the beach. We take them to the beach and let them dig on the sand. Well, Oscar, because he was the one with the separation anxiety, he would dig up the garden. So if you, if you ever left him in a garden or anything, he was a bit stressed. He would start digging, and it was very much the Parson Russell Terrier, and it was it's a part of his inner drive to want to dig, etc. So we, we used to take them all to the beach and. We'd let them dig on the beach. We'd stop them in the house and in the garden, um, but we'd let them dig on the beach. So they used to go on the beach, throw a bit, bit of a ball for them, and then we'd have this little game where we'd start making little crosses in the sand and tell them that there was treasure, just obviously humanising the dog. But tell them there's treasure <laughs> treasure in the sand, and, and the dogs would just start digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. They'd all be digging competitively, competitively digging and going to each other's holes and digging each other's holes. Yeah, it was good fun. Oh, sounds nice. Uh, what about the water? So uh, Archie really didn't like the water. Um, the other two would go in and swim, but Archie would just stand at the waterside and bark at them, telling them to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a fan of water. No, he, he never liked water. But his his older brother, uh, sorry, his younger brother Oscar, he absolutely loved it. He would go in the sea and he'd just be swimming along for ages and then come out and then he, he didn't even have to throw a ball in for Oscar he'd go in and have a swim himself he absolutely loved mm. it did you um, or did he ever come across any sort of other wildlife out on strolls and things like that hikes yeah so yeah so where we are you see a lot of uh, rabbits and squirrels birds there's, there's a lot of wildlife on the world so yeah, he would he would see stuff, but like I think I said before, his prey drive was was not really very strong at all, unless a squirrel ran in front of him and then he'd run at it and bark. So there wasn't much in in terms of a hunt when he was doing that. But yeah, he didn't have much prey drive at all, uh, and I think that is potentially because of the early conditioning we did with him when we take him out and let him see different animals when he was a very very young puppy. Um, but yeah, he didn't have much prey drive. The other two did. They they would go off squirrel chasing the whole time we were on a walk, but he didn't. <laughs> I suppose they'd be careful. Uh, There's some big squirrels out there. <laughs> Same size as him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say that he had any sort of weird or peculiar habits? Um. Yeah, not really. No. Okay. Weird or peculiar habits? No, not really. Given the choice, what would have been his favourite activities? Uh, apart from the definitely, ball. <laughs> apart from the apart from what? Sorry. Apart from the ball. <laughs> apart from the ball. So um, favourite activities. So he used to. Archie would absolutely love um, going to going to the woods. And um, he he was very much uh, very much a sniffy dog. So when we go out on walks, he was very very interested in his environment. So if you took him to like say a woodland, he would spend a lot of time just sniffing and sniffing other dogs' smells, and going to like he, he would he would spend time just like sniffing flowers and sniffing little bits of bush and trees. 
and he's very very nosy in that sense where he, he needed to absorb his whole environment and when he got into like his his older years he did that even more because he was less physical mm-hmm. and less able which i found to be a very intelligent move as a dog that because he needed some form of fulfillment he didn't just and he knew his legs weren't working as well as they used to he would find that in other other things which and what like i say one of the things he enjoyed was was just sniff, doing a lot of sniffing very intensely sniffing so you would go on a walk and the other two would be off running and he would stay back and do a lot of like you'd have to wait for him sometimes stand and wait because he'd be so engaged and so entertained by like this one smell that was either on like a tree or a bush or something so yeah he's very very into doing that yeah very lovely all right so it's uh Something as as you know that's uh, really sort of coming into its own now, where scent work and people getting their dogs to to use their noses a lot more now. A lot more people becoming aware of that. Absolutely. Well, with it being the power scent, it's it's something that you can never overlook. It's 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 always the the greatest thing I think for a dog mentally to 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 feel that sense of fulfilment is to use their nose and get out there and do it as natural as possible and it's something that i've always tried to integrate into walking with my dogs so, although we spent a lot of time at the beach in the early days as, as i've matured through my career and become more knowledgeable i've kind of realized the importance of environmental entertainment where we can just take them to a place that is like full of different smells where you've had other dogs like say squirrels and birds and badgers and different wildlife you can almost see that uh, sometimes where it can be an environmental diffuser for like aggressive dogs that uh, will have dog aggression issues. But if you were to take them like safely out on a long line to a place like um, like a, a forest area, they will often get so connected to their environment that it allows them to be a little bit more accepting of seeing other dogs in the same kind of area as they are. So it's always something we've we've kind of used environmental diffusers in our rehabilitation with dogs. Yeah, nice. So, travelling how how were how was Archie and the others in the in a car? Really good, yeah. So uh, because Archie come from the Welsh mountains, it obviously took us a couple of hours to get there, a couple of hours back. He was absolutely fine on the journey back. I think he just slept, and because we were so um, active and going out and doing different walks all the time. They were constantly in the back of the car and going out to Wales and all over the Wirral and doing different walks. So it kind of conditioned them to always being okay in the car. And to be fair, we were we were fortunate. Oscar was from a similar area to where Archie was from, almost like, you know, a couple of miles away from where he was from, a different breeder. And then Floyd was from Bradford, which was quite a drive away from us. Um, so they did, on the journey back, all the three, all three of them were really, really... Um, accepting and okay there was no whimpering or whining or anything from them there was no signs of stress uh but yeah all, all three including archie were really really good at traveling you could you could travel three four hours with them in the back of the car and do one little toilet break in between and they'd be absolutely fine with it they'd just go to sleep i was very fortunate in that way but that could just be down to that we did a lot of it and they they, they just accepted it from a very early age Okay, nice. And you mentioned earlier you did uh, a bit of caravanning as well. Yeah, yeah. So we took Archie out to um, we we take him to like a little caravan and do little trips with him, etc. Um, there'd be a static caravan, so it wouldn't be one that um, it wouldn't be a caravan that was that hooked onto the back of your vehicle. A mobile caravan, I think that's what you call it. Mobile oh, like, caravan, uh, <laughs> uh, motorhome. Yeah, motorhome. Yeah, yeah. So we. Yeah, so it would be a static caravan that we took him to on like a little holiday. Nice. Do you think he would have had a favourite holiday destination? Uh, no, because he, he didn't get taken that much because after, after his first year, uh, we would start to go away abroad. So he, he, he didn't go away that much. He, he's, if he was to say he had a favourite destination, then maybe like a favourite destination on one of his walks. Potentially the beach, because he'd done that so much from a young age and had the ball thrown for him. So he's obviously associating the beach with having the ball thrown for him. Oh, really good. Um, question I ask everyone to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. 
a bar of chocolate. <laughs> and, uh, how did that go? And it, it was absolutely fine afterwards. Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He was fine after he had chocolate. <laughs> he wasn't much. That's something that we struggled with from a young age. Was was a meeting. He wasn't. I'd do it differently now because I just I would just build food driving the dog and I know how to do that a, a lot better now. But um, back then I didn't, and he he wasn't he wasn't the best eater. He was a little bit of a fussy eater, which is something I commonly see in Jack Russells. To be fair, uh, a lot of Jack Russell owners tend to have that problem where they don't have the food drive. Um, so yeah, he was a bit of a fussy eater. So he didn't. He wasn't the type of dog that would eat. Um, just go and eat things on a walk or anything like that. But he did once upon a time eat some chocolate. Okay. <sighs> and sort of stayed with the same sort of food throughout his life? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he was fed uh, a wet and bit of a dry mix. Yeah. He was, but when it comes to food, he was most definitely out of the park. He was the, the, the controller of food. Uh, if he, we would feed them together, which is not something everybody agrees with, but they could, they could be fed together. It was quite an easy task to do. But now and again, if he was a little bit more hungry than the others, he would be able to just walk towards the other ones and just give a little look at them, and he'd move away from the bowl. He was, he was incredible at controlling, um, being able to control other dogs with energy and just body language. He was very, very acute at doing that. He had very good strength, uh, and I found that if he was um, he was ever like we gave them any treats or anything like that, or any little bones or anything, uh, if he wanted a bone and it was his, nobody'd ever even try and challenge him for it. Even though Oscar was a much bigger dog and probably a lot more physical than him, he'd just never try try and uh, take anything from him because he had a real physical presence. Real confidence, brave, strong physical presence about him. Ah, nice, nice. It's good to have that sort of the one that keeps everyone else in place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he lived till he was 16, so he, he lived a really good age. He, he, died, he actually got um, he was put to sleep um the day we got put into lockdown, or the day before we got put into lockdown, um, quite sadly. So only one of us could actually go into the veterinary surgery with him. Um, but standout kind of like adventures and, and moments with him was, I think towards the end of his life, was how kind of he coped with, he had ACL injuries on his back legs. So both of them had gone on both sides and we took him to the vet and they said, because he had a lot of arthritis going on because he was old, there'd be no point in operating on him. It wouldn't make a lot of difference. One went and then the other went and um, he could walk on them, but he coped really well. So I think in his late life, just to, to, to like see him coping and still happy and smiling was like, they were like the golden moments for me uh, to see how he stayed happy for all of his life. That was that was the golden moment. They, they were the moments of our treasure. Nice to have the uh, that, that sort of personality, the, the the in charge, in control, but not that sort of like in your face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, he it, it was just a, it was a wonderful dog that uh, just taught me so much. I think he taught me a lot about um, how dogs are, how dogs can be how they can control situations how energy is much very much a king in the dog world how it, it's it's not just about um physical presence it's about how you present yourself how you can control situations quite easily and taught me like like i say taught me a lot about myself and taught me how to, to um how to find that compassion for others that I, I, I didn't know that i actually had and um, and compassion for animals. He, ju he just woke up a, a fire and woke up a, a love to want to be able to go out there and be able to help as many dogs as I could. Oh, and I just don't think without him that would have ever even been a thing that would have ever happened. Uh, I think if I, I'd have just gone out and got Oscar and Floyd and never have got Archie, I don't know whether I'd have actually ended up, ever ended up doing something like I'm doing today. Oh, that's a Amazing what they can do. Do you want to uh, let people know your social media links and your business? Yeah, so the business uh, I've got is called Pause in Nature. Um, it is 
obviously, like I say, a world-based company. Um, our website is www.pauseandnature.co.uk. Uh, and you can also follow, follow us on Instagram, which is pause underscore in underscore nature. Uh, we have just um, we've just done our brand new website, which has got all our services and information, etc. And we have got a centre up uh, on the Wirral, which has uh, got a big enclosed area, an indoor sterile environment for training dogs. It's also got kennels there and we have got a hydrotherapy pool and lots of facilities. So when we do boarding trains, we have like top-notch facilities to be able to get dogs to a really good place. Um, I'm also going out as well next uh, this November to do Nipopo. So I'm going to be training with Bart and Michael Bellin this wow. year to do my silver and gold. Um, Excellent. And we've also got something in the pipeline, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say yet, but it's um, going to be doing a new finger clicker that's coming out. And we have done, we've written the manual for the finger clicker and also done uh, a video, a supporting video that will be released soon. But that is going to be getting sold by. Um, E-Collar Technologies, it's their new product, is the uh, finger clicker. And we've done the manual for that, which was an honor to do. So we've, we've written the, the the training manual for the, for the new finger clicker. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you again very much for taking the time to have a chat with me about Archie. Uh, like I said, an, no an amazing little dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoy the show. If you'd like to leave any sort of review on the platform that you're listening on, it would be appreciated. If you want to contact us, uh, make a suggestion or anything at all, jump onto the Facebook group. Always happy to listen to some feedback there. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.